we believe there were real shepherds tending real sheep who dropped everything to find a real Savior. At our church, we believe that a virgin teenage girl held the Son of God in her belly and then gave birth to Him. And we believe that this child was indeed God with us. We believe that Christmas is far more than something driven by department stores and shopping malls. We believe that Christmas sets into motion the events when the great and awesome God of all creation took on flesh and made His residence within the world He created to love it, to redeem it, and to save it. At our church, we believe that this child in this manger promises hope for everyone in this room. More hope than any perfectly wrapped gift under the tree could ever offer. Hope that God has not abandoned humanity. Hope that real life can be tasted in the here and now. And hope that resurrected life can be celebrated on that day when we meet the glorious Son of God face to face. Friends, it's going to be an amazing Christmas around here, and you're invited to be a part of it, to experience God, to encounter this unique community of faith, and to see with fresh eyes this child in the manger who continues to pour light and life into every open heart. We're so glad you're joining us this Christmas. Welcome to our church. Good morning. Try that again. <laughs> Merry Christmas. Woo-hoo. Welcome to Flannel Sunday. <laughs> we all look like a bunch of lumberjacks today. If you would stand with us. Don't worry, that's just my kid crying. Heavenly Father, we come this morning and we thank you for the gift of your son. Jesus, who came as a baby, lived that perfect life, no sin, so that he could become a sacrifice for us. We celebrate today the King. And we're so thankful, God, that you loved us before we ever loved you. God, that you chase after us. God, that it didn't end on the cross, but Jesus rose and conquered sin. We thank you that we celebrate a risen Lord today. In Jesus' name, amen. Angels we have heard on high, sweetly singing o'er the plains and the mountains in reply. Echoing their joyous strains Gloria In excelsis Deo Gloria In excelsis Deo Shepherds, why this jubilee? Why your joyous strains prolong? What the gladsome tidings be, which inspire your heavenly song? Gloria in excelsis Deo. 
Christ, whose birth the angels sing, come adore on bended knee. Christ, the Lord, the newborn King, Gloria in excelsis Deo, Gloria in excelsis Deo. No crib for a bed The little Lord Jesus laid down his sweet head The stars in the sky looked down where he lay The little Lord Jesus asleep on the hay The cattle are lowing, the baby awakes but little Lord Jesus, no crying he makes. I love thee, Lord Jesus, look down from the sky and stay by my cradle till morning is nigh. Be near me, Lord Jesus, I ask thee to stay close by me forever and love me, I pray. Bless all the dear children in thy tender care, and fit us for heaven to live with thee there. Away in a manger, no crib for a bed, the Lord Jesus laid down his sweet head. The stars in the sky looked down where he lay. The little Lord Jesus asleep on the hay. The cattle are lowing, the baby awakes. But little Lord Jesus, no crying he makes. I love the Lord Jesus, look down from the sky And stay by my cradle till morning is nigh Be near me, Lord Jesus, I ask you to stay Close by me forever and love me, I pray Bless all the dear children in thy tender care and fit us for heaven to live with thee there. Joyful and triumphant, 
Hallelujah. 
Lord is worthy. Oh, come, let us adore Him. Oh, come, let us adore Him. Oh, come, let us adore Him. Christ the Lord. Oh, come, all ye faithful. Oh, come, all ye faithful. Come, let us adore Him. Oh, come, all ye faithful. Come, let us adore Him. Oh, sing hallelujah. For He alone is worthy. Sing hallelujah, he alone is worthy. Oh, come, let us adore him. Oh, come, let us adore him. Oh, come, let us adore him. Thank you, Jesus. We adore you this morning. Was to certain poor shepherds in fields as they lay, in fields where they lay keeping their sheep on a cold winter's night that was so deep. Noel, Noel. Noel, Noel, born is the King of Israel. They looked up and saw a star shining in the east beyond them far and to the earth. It gave great light, and so it continued both day and night. Noel, 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 born is the King of Israel. Then let us all with one accord sing praises to our heavenly Lord that hath made heaven 
and earth of not and with his blood mankind hath bought Noel, 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 Noel Born is the King of Israel Noel, 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 Noel Born is the King of Israel Verse 3 Let's sing, then let us all with one accord sing praises to our heavenly Lord. He hath made heaven and earth of nothing, and with his blood mankind hath bought. Then let us all with one accord sing praises to our heavenly Lord. That hath made heaven and earth of naught, and with his blood mankind hath bought. Noel, 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 born is the King of Israel. Noel, 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 Noel. Born is the King of Israel. Noel, 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 Noel. Born is the King of Israel. One more time. Noel, 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 Noel. Born is the King of Israel. God, in the same way the Israelites were expecting a Savior, God, we expect this morning. We expect that you do, you'll do great things in our life. We expect that you have a good plan for us. God, you are good. We thank you this morning. In Jesus' name, you can be seated.
authority. Okay. The authority that exists, hey, I've got power, has been established by God. But as we are winding down in the in our Bible reading, uh, if you've been following us, we read the end of the book. We're getting to the end of the book. And God is the victor. His son, Jesus Christ, rules. There is a plan. There is a plan that God has. There is peace that will be brought about. But let's talk a little closer to home in your life. I know it's tough to let go and let God and give and, and give it to God. You think that you have, and then bam, all of a sudden you find yourself in turmoil again, realizing that what? We picked it back up from the altar. We have to remind ourselves daily our lives are not our own. That he is guiding us and directing us. Proverbs 16, 9 states that a man's heart, uh, states the heart of man's plan is plans away, but the Lord establishes steps. Psalms 32, 37, 23 states that the steps of a man are established by the Lord when he delights in his way. And he states in John 14, 27, my peace I give to you, not as the world gives, but do I give to you? Let your hearts not be troubled, neither let it be afraid. And Philippians 4, 7 states that the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your mind in Jesus Christ. I did not say it was going to be easy. The devil likes to remind us that hurts, pain, injustice, anything that would help, anything that would help not spread the love of Christ, but hold on to vengeance towards our fellow man. You know, that's what the devil wants. But just like the government, you need to believe that Jesus has a plan for your life. And yes, there may be times that we have gone our own path, but Jesus leads us back to him and his will. He says in Romans 8, 28, I know, I know that for those who, lo- uh, and for those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to his pur- purpose. Hebrews 13, 5 states, for he himself said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. And Proverbs 18, 2 says, but there is a friend that sticks closer to the brother than a, than a brother. So with Jesus by our sides, what do we have? We can, what do we have to fear? I can let go and let God. There is a plan, a purpose. I have given my life to him to do as he wills. As he wills. I need, I need not to look at my own situation, but the big picture, which is summarized in Matthew 2, 22, 37 and 39. Love the Lord your God with all your heart with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment, and the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. If we follow that, we will have peace in our lives. That's what we can let go of our the things that the devil reminds us and just have peace in our lives as we allow ourselves to just love our fellow man. There's a, there's a song by Ryan Stevens that goes, In the eye of the storm... You remain in control. And in the middle of the war, you guard my soul.
You alone are my anchor when my sails are torn. Your love surrounds me in the eye of the storm. This is where we surrender to God. We have peace. So as we take communion today, let us remember the peace that God gives us. We have hand sanitizer somewhere that we, we're going to take. And we only have one. There it is. And we only have one table. So as you come up, get some hand sanitizer, take a piece of bread, and dip it into the cup. Then go back to your tables or gather in groups and pray for one another. Be with one another this Christmas season. So the tables are open. Lord, we just thank you for this day, Lord God. We thank you for your son, Lord God, who gives us peace, who gives us love, who gives us understanding. And, Father, we just thank you for this season. We thank you that you came and were willing to come down from heaven to be born for love for us, Lord God, that you were born, you lived, you died, and you rose again for us, Lord God. Thank you for your love for us, Lord God. In Jesus' name, amen. The tables are open. couple announcements here for you. First of all, Merry Christmas. 
Thank you all for coming, and everybody coming, like, we almost have 100% flannel action here, which is right. awesome. Um, yeah, well, that we can let that one go. I think the bunny costume counts as flannel. If you want a picture with the bunny, $5, we'll start a line right here. <laughs> all right, a um, couple important things. New Year's Eve's coming up. So we have our annual party at Salmon Creek Country Club in Benzaport or Parma. I don't know exactly where it is, but it's over there off of uh, um, Washington Street. It's off Washington Street. Yeah. We have a good time. Lots of games and fun. So it starts at 7, and setup is at 6. So if you can come a little early to help set up some tables and stuff so we can have food, bring food to eat, because if you don't, there won't be anything. It'll be really weird. I'll have to order McDonald's app or something, Grubhub. So let's not do that. <laughs> I don't know. I, I'm off script now. All right, what else? I have a card here for Bob Howitt. He's still in respite care. So I'm going to send this around. If you want to send him a little Christmas message or note, we'll start it right here D. Our very own Dino Wiki, everybody. Um, what was our other? Oh, at the end of service. Um, when this wraps up, please do not immediately leave the building unless there's an emergency, which you would leave there or there. Or We want to get a picture, a church picture, all the flannel. We're going to come up here. Someone's going to, some unflanneled person is going to snap the picture for us, okay? So if you don't have flannel on, you're now the photographer. Good job. No. Um, that's it. I don't know. I'm way off script. I'm you're good. <laughs> okay. Merry Christmas. All that. All right, good morning. We want to welcome you to our Christmas uh, story service. And uh, this morning we're going to have some fun and uh, just kind of explore the Christmas story in a different way. And uh, if you guys have not met me yet, my name is Ralph Parker. Um, you may remember me as Ralphie. Um, and I'm just going to kind of sit down. I that this book, Mr. Shepherd wrote this book about my family and the Christmas story. And so this morning, we're just going to kind of go back through memory lane and just kind of unpack what that Christmas was like for us when I was a kid and maybe maybe explore what the real meaning of Christmas is for us today. Uh, but before I jump into that, does anybody have a cup of Ovaltine? Does anybody have a cup of Ovaltine? Anybody else have a cup of Ovaltine? If you have a cup of Ovaltine, you won a Red Rider BB gun chocolate bar. Right? Wait, wait, wait. This one goes over here. Because this one's the dark chocolate. You won that. Ovaltine, anybody else? Now there's going to be a mad dash. Like, is there more? Because there's two more Ovaltine cups. Dark. There you go. Merry Christmas. There's two more Ovaltine cups back there, so if you get your hot chocolate. Yes, ma'am. Is there another Ovaltine? You had one? What did you... That's okay. You can still have it. Merry Christmas. Awesome, awesome, awesome. Oh, did you get the cup? You took it off. No, you got to keep it on. 
All right, so I'm going to give this back to Cherry. It's, your, it's a major reward. It's mine. Give me the chocolate, woman. All right, well, I just want to just share this story. I know you may not all be able to see me back there, but I'm, I'm going to sit by the fire uh, and just kind of reminisce a little bit about our Christmas when, when I was a kid and, and what Christmas means maybe to me. You know, it's interesting, my wife and I have this amazing relationship when it comes to gifts. So I tell my wife what I want as a gift, and then I go buy the gift and give the gift to my wife so that she can wrap it and give the gift back to me. And then when I open the gift, it's amazing because it's the perfect gift. It's the gift I always wanted. How did you know? Um, And it works out great. No, 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 it's not awful. It works out great because it's the gift that I want. Um, saves her time. Say, there's zero pressure. There's no never disappointment. I get the gift that I want, and, and it works out awesome. Um, but, you know, the Bible says in James 1.17 that every good and perfect gift is from above. That God gives us the best gifts that he wants us to, to experience his love. And, and so, I, Matt, and Jesus said this in Matthew chapter 7, verse 11. He said, if you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? Right? God wants to give us good gifts. You know, I remember that day at Christmas time. When, when all the presents were opened and, and I had been, I had been waiting for, uh, the gift. And, and I remember that day that I can remember it clearly as we were walking through town and we came up to Higby's store. It's like, it's like I, I remember it like it was yesterday. Higby's corner window was traditionally a high water mark of the pre-Christmas season. First-nighters, packed earmuff to earmuff, jostled in wonderment before a golden, tinkling display of mechanized, electronic joy. Christmas gifts, the Red Ryder 200-shot range model air rifle. And there he is, Red Ryder himself. In his hand was the knurled stock of as coolly deadly-looking a piece of weaponry as ever I had laid eyes on.
For weeks, I had been scheming to get my mitts on one of these fearsome blue steel beauties. My fevered brain seethed with the effort of trying to come up with the infinitely subtle devices necessary to implant the Red Rider range model air rifle indelibly into my parents' subconscious. Ralphie! Ah, oh, old blue. The Red Rider BB gun with a compass and a stock and a thing that tells time. It was like the greatest gift I could have ever imagined. And I remember we opened up our presents that one Christmas morning, and, and everyone had what they liked, and everyone was happy. I had the uncomfortable uh, opportunity to wear the pink bunny suit that uh, my aunt made for me, and thank you for taking one for the team, Josh, and wearing my bunny suit for me today. I appreciate that. But Christmas was over. We had opened all the presents. And I thought, man, I had worked so hard so that I, I, I would do everything that I could so that I got my Red Rider BB gun and it just it wasn't there. And then my dad turned and said, what? What's that? And he reached behind the fireplace and he pulled out one last gift. Oh, my goodness. It was amazing. Maybe we'll open that in a little bit. It could be a telescope, right? A fly swatter, right? A paddle. It could be a canoe paddle. Chick, it's bent shaft. It could be a canoe paddle. I don't know. So, you know, when, when we think about Christmas from when we were kids, right? What grown-up doesn't have that, that, that uh, the pang of nostalgia as, as we see that and those memories? You know, if, if only... Uh, we had received that gift that we wanted for Christmas. And, and we love like the, the excitement of when you give a child a gift that they've been expecting, they've been hoping for, that they thought that they would get, and then they open it, and it's just like they just explode, right? Their faces light up. I remember one year we bought our daughter. She wanted a, uh, a dress-up vanity. And so it was, it was a, a, a small play vanity with a mirror and, and drawers for her to put her makeup in. And, and it came in a big, giant box. And she was three, maybe four. And she's peeling the paper off of the box. And all she can see is the round part of the mirror in the picture. But she had it upside down. The box was upside down. And she peeled it off. And, you know, when you get something that you don't want, right, you do your best to put the face on. To say, oh, thank you so much. It's exactly what I wanted. And, and as she peeled the paper off and she could see this white plastic oval shape, she's like, oh, daddy, you got me a toilet. And I'm like, no, honey, keep unwrapping. And, and I, I, right, right. I, why she was excited that we bought her a toilet, I have no idea. Um, but, you know, we, yeah, right? It's way funnier in the back than in the front. Awesome. Um, but we, we always feel like the things that are advertised are not exactly what we get, right? How many of you have stood in line at a fast food place and seeing these glorious pictures of hamburgers and and then you open up the wrapper and it looks nothing like the picture, right, ever. Have you ever opened a wrapper 
of uh, a Whopper or a cheeseburger and it looked just like the picture? Very rarely. Um, Jerry Seinfeld uh, is a comedian and, and he, he said this uh, when he received a Clio Award. It's kind of like the Oscars for, for, for uh, advertising. And, and his, the words that he said in his speech were brutally honest and maybe a little bit cynical. This is what he said as he made the uh, executives in the advertising industry squirm in their seats. Jerry Seinfeld said this. He says, I love advertising because I love lying. In advertising, everything is the way you wish it was. I don't care that it won't be like that when I actually get the product being advertised because in between seeing the commercial and owning the thing, I'm happy, and that's all I want. We know the product is going to stink. We know that. Because we live in the world and we know that everything stinks. We all believe, hey, maybe this one won't stink. We're a hopeful species. Stupid, but hopeful. Encouraging. Hooray. Merry Christmas. Half of the things that we will get this Christmas will not live up to the advertising that we want. Kids, remember when we saw the commercials on Saturday morning in between cartoons of whatever toy it was that we absolutely had to have. And then we begged, pleaded, harassed. We, we, we acted like me, slipping advertisements inside our parents' magazine so that they would give us whatever piece of garbage that we thought was the most important thing that we needed. Right? No, it's true. And then we, we play with it for a week. And then it gets shoved to the back of the playroom. We spend more time playing with the box than we do with these $75 whatever it was, right? We love boxes. Um, well, here's the thing. Um, everything, everything in the world that we live in has the potential of stinking because we live in a fallen world. We live in a world that's broken. Um, and, and that's because of sin, Sin affects everything. It's everywhere. It's in everything. It's in every one of us. And, and it's got the ability to corrupt our desires, to make us want things that we don't need. It makes us be selfish. It confuses us about what we really need to be happy in order to be satisfied. Now, again, there's nothing wrong with wanting a Red Rider BB gun with a compass in the stock and a thing that tells time. There's nothing wrong with that. Where we get in trouble is where that consumes us and we can't think about anything else than, than whatever that item is. What do we think? Why do we think we need them? And what do we think possessing them is going to do for us? And so when that shiny object, when that thing that we absolutely needed, it's a, it's a Red Rider BB gun, it's a car, it's a house, it's a number in a bank account. What we need to remember that is that the only thing that matters is... He's fine. Hi, bud. Got him? All right. Bye, bud. Thanks for coming. love kids. We've been doing this for 10 years. 
And, and, and I know, Jason, I, I know that you might be embarrassed, but he doesn't bother us in the least. We love your kids. And uh, it, it's one of the amazing things about our church is on any given Sunday morning that who knows what can happen, right? Um, I love the, the sometimes there are some Sundays when the ceiling is bouncing. Like you can see the, 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 um, the ceiling fans rocking because they are having a blast upstairs, right? That's what this is about, helping our kids know Jesus and, and love him. Um, that's what it's about. Now, there is another movie, uh, maybe not as famous as the story about my family, A Christmas Story, uh, but uh, a guy by the name of Charles Schultz, you might be familiar with him, told a story about a young man named Charlie, right? You guys remember Charlie, Mr. Brown? And so in, in the Peanuts movie, Charlie Brown is trying to win the love of who? No, not Lucy. The little red-haired girl, right? And, and every time Charlie tries to do something to win the heart of the little red-haired girl, it fails. Something goes wrong. Lucy comes in and makes him look like a jerk. Uh, you know, it, it's, it's somehow it never works out, except this one time that they, it, it, he's trying to win her, he's trying to woo her, and somehow he scores a perfect score on the standardized test. It's never been done before. And Charlie Brown has done it. And he's just absolutely, and, and all of his classmates hail him as a hero. Like Charlie Brown, they put him up on their shoulders and they're like, Charlie, Charlie. They're like, they can't believe that, that someone got a perfect score on the standardized test. And, and as the school actually is having a, an assembly to honor Charlie. I know, Charlie, Charlie. Yeah, exactly. Um, and they're gonna they're gonna recognize his accomplishment, and he's gonna receive a medal. And as he approaches the podium to give his speech, he looks out and he sees the red-haired girl, and he's just you know it's like that moment when you first see that beautiful girl that will become your wife, and it's like the angels are singing and lights are coming down from the heavens, and he sees the little red-haired girl, and they they as, as he's walking to the podium podium they hand him back his test. And he realizes that it's not his. They made a mistake. Charlie Brown didn't score a perfect score on the standardized test. There was a mix-up when he handed it in and he wrote his name on the wrong test. And so he has a decision to make. Does he tell the whole school, including the little red-haired girl, that he doesn't deserve the recognition? Or does he keep that information to himself after all, he's the only one who will ever know. Here's the thing. When it comes to our possessions, the things that we want, we do a very similar thing. Sometimes we want something or we take something that doesn't ultimately belong to us because everything that we have comes from God. But we take the things that we own and we think that we've deserved them or we earned them or we have a right to them. And even Charlie Brown, he recognizes that he can't take what doesn't belong to him. That recognition of being the perfect score, it's not going to give him what he really needs. It's not going to buy him love. It's not going to help him win the red-headed girl or the love of his classmates. And it's certainly not the love that he owes himself. 
so for us, we have to be careful not to take things uh, and misuse them with our greed or our selfishness. Luke chapter 12, verse 15, Jesus said this. He said, watch out. Be on your guard against all kinds of greed. Life does not consist in the abundance of possessions. Or in the message it says, speaking to the people, he said, take care. Protect yourself against the least bit of greed. Life is not defined by what you have, even when you have a lot. No, thank you. You know, it reminds me of a moment where um, it's not probably my greatest moment that, that I let something bad happen. It's pretty bad. My friend Flick. You're full of beans and so's your old man. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Says who? Says me. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I double dare you. The exact exchange and nuance of phrase in this ritual is very important. Huh. Are you kidding? Stick my tongue to that stupid pole that's dumb. That's because you know it'll stick. You're full of it. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Like double dog dare you. Now it was serious. A double dog dare. What else was left but a triple dare you? And finally, the coup de grace of all dares, the sinister triple really dog dare. I triple dog dare you. Hmm. Schwartz created a slight breach of etiquette by skipping the triple dare and going right for the throat. All right, all right. Come on, Karen. Well, go on, smartass, and do it. I'm going, I'm going. Flick's spine stiffened, his lips curled in a defiant sneer. There was no going back now. wasn't he? Ralphie, do you know where Flick is? I said, has anyone seen Flick? Yes, Esther Jean. Leave it to Esther Jean to rat us out. Oh, my God.
it's a party party. No. Wow, it's a cops. Poor Flick. You know, the beautiful thing about that is that Flick never got angry. He never got mad. Uh, in fact, when they made the movie and they told the story, Flick actually stuck his tongue to the pole, and it was stuck there for real. That was not a special effect. Um, they didn't actually rip his tongue off of the pole. Once the camera was off, they put warm water, and his tongue came off. So anyways, children, uh, if you stick your tongue to the flagpole, it will stick. And if you don't have someone take your tongue off properly, uh, you will have a ripped hunk of tongue left to the, fr- the, the freezing pole. I'm just making sure that we're crystal clear. Don't do what Flick did. Don't. Not even if they triple dog dare you, it is not worth it. You know, I'm glad that Flick didn't get mad with me, but sometimes I get mad. I get mad about dumb things, right? I get mad when my kids don't do what they're told. I get mad when the dog eats something off of the counter. Uh, I get mad at a Marvel comic book fan saying something disparaging about DC Comics. I get mad. I know, right? It's silly. But why, why do I get mad? What, what gets me so, so upset about those things? It's pride. It's my kids aren't behaving the way I think that they should, right? I, I am, I'm, I'm upset that my dog, it, you know, it's typically when guests are in the house that the dog gets up on the counter and eats something. And then it's like, I'm not, a, I'm not the world's greatest dog trainer, which of course I am. Um, but, uh, you know, it's, it's the root of my anger is pride, you know, and it's these stupid, trivial things like, what side wins or loses? I'm, I'm not a, a sports fan, but I know that there are a lot of you guys uh, and ladies here that are sports fans. And, and when your team wins, you're like, hooray, our team won. And we have such a sense of accomplishment and victory. Like, wow, we did it. And we had nothing to do with it. Nothing. You weren't there. You're not on the coaching staff. You didn't play on the field. Well, we have this sense of we did it. And then when we when they lose, when our team loses, we're like, oh, we lost. Right? We have this sense of pride uh, of it. And, and, you know, sometimes it's pretty bad. Like that you see fans when their teams lose and they end up doing crazy things. They start fires and they flip over cars. And, and, and they're not protesting, you know, social justice issues. They're mad because the Bills lost or the Patriots lost or won or whatever. It's pride and it's silly. Paul talks about this in 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 3. He's talking about pride because there were people that were choosing sides. There were people who were saying, I'm rooting for Paul's team. 
And I'm better than you because I root for Paul's team. And, and maybe well, I'm better than both of you because I'm from team Apollos. And, and he, so he says this. He says, it matters very little what you think of me. He's talking about himself, Paul, even less where I rank in popular opinion. I don't even rank myself. Comparisons in these matters are pointless. You know, we could compare ourselves in all different kinds of ways, right? We can compare our jobs like, oh, my job's not as good as his job. My house isn't as good as their house. Or my church isn't as good as their church, right? They've got more people on Christmas Sunday than maybe we have. Or, or ha-ha, we have a whole full house full of flannel on, on our Christmas Sunday. And I know there are churches that maybe they didn't have a flannel Sunday. And, you know, then no they have no flannel, right? And, and we can become like Dr. Seuss's star-bellied sneeches. Right? Do you remember that story about the Sneetches and, and the, the Sneetches had stars and the Sneetches that had no stars on theirs? And, and, and we let pride sinfully take a hold of us. We can't let that pride take over us. Paul writes this. He says, but with me, it is a very small thing that I should be judged by you or by any human court. In fact, I do not even judge myself. Let's let God decide. What happens? Let's not be so prideful enough that we get our tongues stuck to something that we shouldn't. Does that make sense? You know, I remember the day that my dad won his major award. It was amazing. You Parker? Yeah, yeah. Uh, sorry, yeah. Well, what is it? I don't know. A little more. A little more. That's it. Ah, fragile. It must be Italian. Well, I think that says fragile, honey. Oh, yeah. Harry! Oh, they could, there could be anything in there. This is a lamp. It was indeed a lamp. What a great lamp. The old man's eyes boggled. Oh, wow. Overcome by art. And I know just the place for it. Right in the middle of our front room window. Oh, oh. oh look at that. When you look at that, isn't that glorious? It's, 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 it's indescribably beautiful. It reminds me of the 4th of July. The weeks of drinking gallons of Ovaltine in order to get the Ovaltine inner seal to send off for my little orphan Annie's secret decoder pen was about to pay off. I got it. Master Ralph Parker, my decoder pen. Be it known to all and sundry that Ralph Parker is hereby appointed a member of the Little Orphan Annie Secret Circle and is entitled to all the honors and benefits occurring there, too. Signed, Little Orphan Annie. Countersigned, Pierre Andre, in ink. Honors and benefits already at the age of nine. We'll see you tomorrow night for the concluding adventure of the Black Pirate Ship. Now it's time for Annie's secret message for you members of the Secret Circle. Remember, kids, 
Only members of any secret circle can decode any secret message. Remember, Annie is depending on you. Set your pins to B2. Here is the message. 12, 11. I am in my first secret meeting. 90 seconds later, I'm in the only room in the house where a boy of nine could sit in privacy and decode. <laughs> Aha, B. <laughs> I went to the next. E. The first word is B. T. O. Be sure to. Be sure to what? What was little orphan Annie trying to say? Be sure to what? My fingers flew. My mind was a steel trap. Every pore vibrated. It was almost clear. Yes, 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 yes. Be sure to drink your Ovaltine. Ovaltine? A crummy commercial? I went out to face the world again. Wiser. Is this on? This is on. So my dad's major award was his lamp. And, you know, obviously my mom was not thrilled with the lamp. She wasn't happy. But for my dad, this was a major award. But it's not really a major award for me. I have a better award. More appropriate, I think. Now that's a lamp. If you're going to have a leg lamp, you need to have a Batman leg lamp. This is another example of the perfect gift my wife got me. My daughter. Oh, that's right. Yes. So the lamp, the lamp was a symbol of, of glory to my dad, that it was something that lit up the house. It was something that he was like, he wanted the neighbors to see it. And, you know, uh, there was a, a coach of a college football team in Georgia. He had been the coach there successfully for 15 years. And one day he walked in to find out that he was being fired. And, you know, at his press conference, he could have been defeated. He could have been deflated. He could have walked in there and, and been angry about, you know, the, his, his unjust firing. But as a Christian man, it was beautiful what, what he did. Um, because he said that he didn't doubt for a moment that this new chapter in his life was also a part of God's plan for him. And so even for this setback, he was grateful. Uh, there's a, a German philosopher, Friedrich Nietzsche. He said this. 
He said, he who has a why to live for can endure almost any how. When we think about how we live our lives, why we live our lives. You know, this coach, he had been an incredibly, uh, in an incredibly competitive cutthroat profession. And it, you know, his why was not about college football glory. His why was God's glory. You know, even for me as a, as a pastor of a church, um, you know, we can lose sight of this. We can get distracted by lesser things. We can look at what other people have and think, oh man, why don't we have that? And, and when I heard the, the coach's last words, this is what he said to his team. Uh, when he was saying goodbye to them, he left them with these last words. He said, life is about people, not rings or championships. He said, rings collect dust. I'm sure that there are fans and administrators uh, in, in this guy's uh, town that, that really would wish he didn't say that because administrators and team owners and coaches want rings. Um, but I love that he said that. Life is about people, not rings. Rings collect dust. And so do lamps. They collect dust. They're just things. Um, but isn't it like us? Like we all want that thing. We want rings. We want that personal glory. We want, maybe it's that secret decoder ring that, that you, you think is going to be what you need or the major award. But all of those things promise something that they can't deliver. And they're so much less than what we really need. I don't know. Has anyone, have any of you been filling out the, uh, the activity sheets on your tables? Uh, I, I, I gave them the, I know that there are probably adults that are doing it, uh, as well as kids. Um, but on the activity sheet, there's a word search um, for Ralphie's word search. You found a mistake? Did everybody find all the words in, in Ralphie's Christmas word search? You found all the words? Awesome. Did anybody decode the jokes on the front? Did you, what, what was one of the jokes? Come on up here. Come read us the joke. Okay. Where does Christmas come before Halloween? Why does Christmas come before Halloween? Oh, where? Oh, where does Christmas come? Where? In the dictionary. Ah, very good, very good. So now, did anybody flip over the other side? And did you decode what's missing from Ralphie's Christmas? You did? What I found interesting in this whole Christmas word search, there is an angel, there's a manger, there's reindeer, there's Santa Claus, there's elves, there's all kinds of things in Ralphie's word search, but there's one very important thing missing in Ralphie's word search. What is it? Jesus. That's right. The whole reason for Christmas is missing in Ralphie's word search. This past week, I was kind of proofreading the the activity sheet with someone, and uh, they were just making sure that it laid out right, and there weren't too many mistakes. And uh, this is uh, someone who doesn't really go to church a whole lot. And when I asked him to fill out the the word search, do you know what's missing from Ralphie's word search? He, we had to flip the page back and over, so it was like J. 
And, and then he's like, J-E. And it was like Ralphie in the bathroom trying to decode it. J-E-S. And so he's like, Jess, uh, you, Jessu. And, and I'm like, really? I'm like, and then finally, J, the last S, Jess, Jessus. And, and I'm like, and then all of a sudden it was like, oh, Jesus. Right? There are so many people that are out there that they are missing the point of Christmas and they don't even know what they're missing. You know, I, as, uh, as we think about celebrating Christmas, sometimes, you know, we've, we, we talked a little bit about greed this morning. We talked a little bit about pride this morning. There's something else that really can mess us up at Christmas. And that's fear. We can be afraid, afraid of losing someone, afraid of not having enough. I remember being really afraid this one time. What you crying for? Daddy's gonna kill Ralphie! 
No, he's not. Yes, he is, too. No, he's not. I promise you, Daddy is not going to kill Ralphie. I heard the car roar up the driveway, and a wave of terror broke over me. He'll know what I said, the awful things that I said. Yeah, so what else happened today? Oh, nothing much. Uh, Ralphie had a fight. A fight? What kind of a fight? Oh, you know how boys are. I uh, gave him a talking to. I, I see that uh, the Bears are playing Green Bay on Sunday. Oh, yeah, yeah. Zudok's got tickets. I wish I had. Ah, <laughs> oh, well, he frees his key straw out there. <laughs> Uh, I slowly began to realize I was not about to be destroyed. The Chicago Bears. <laughs> Terror of the Midway. Oh, From then on, things were different Chicago between me Bears. and my mother. Well, more like Chicago Chipmunks, maybe. I slowly began to realize that I was not about to be destroyed. And from then on, things were different between me and my mother. What was different? My mother showed me compassion. She showed me mercy, right? Because what I deserved was destruction. The, the getting in the fight, uh, swearing, saying all of those bad words, those were things that I deserved to be punished for. And the fear of my dad coming home, that fear of just you wait till your father comes home was so real that as I laid there in bed, I thought I was going to be destroyed. Randy's down crying underneath the sink. Daddy's going to kill Ralphie. But my mom stepped in and my mom showed grace and mercy. Our Heavenly Father is just like that with us. That when we deserve destruction, he gave us mercy and grace instead. It's one of the greatest gifts that has ever been given. We all can slowly begin to realize that we are not about to be destroyed. From now on, things can be different between us and our Father. It's it's just like that with us. Our, Our God refuses to let sin separate us from him for eternity. He refuses to let us get what we deserve. He refuses because he loves us so much. In Romans chapter 5, verse 8, it says, God showed his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. But God put his love on the line for us by offering his son in sacrificial death while we were of no use to him whatsoever. Things can be different between us and God because of that first Christmas. And now things are different and there's no more condemnation. And, and if we'll only receive that free gift that he offers us. I remember the afternoon that I got my BB gun. I had old blue and I thought, man, this is going to be the greatest Christmas ever. And, and so I, I, I got my BB gun and mom was getting ready for turkey and Christmas dinner. And, and there was a sense of expectation in the house. And, and then we received an unwelcome visit from our neighbors because the back door got left open accidentally.
Be careful, Ralphie. Now it is well known throughout the Midwest that the old man is a turkey junkie. <laughs> a bona fide golly turkakanas freak. A few days before Christmas, his eyes would begin to gleam with a wild and ravenous light. Ah, life is like that. Sometimes at the height of our revelries, when our joy is at its zenith, when all is most right with the world, the most unthinkable disasters descend upon us. <laughs> still hung heavy in the house, but it was gone, all gone. No turkey, no turkey sandwiches, no turkey salad, no turkey gravy, turkey hash, turkey a la king, or gallons of turkey soup, gone, all gone. <laughs> all right, everybody upstairs, get dressed. We are going out to eat. Sing like this. Deck the horse with boughs of holly. Fa la 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 la. Try again. Deck the horse with boughs of holly. Kitchen, bring food for customers. <laughs> Oh, yes, it's a beautiful duck, yes, it really is, it's, uh, uh, but you see, uh, what? It, it's smiling at me. Okay? Beautiful. Yeah, yes. That Christmas would live in our memories as the Christmas when we were introduced to Chinese turkey. <laughs> All was right with the world. Life is like that. Sometimes at the height of our revelries, when our joy is at its zenith, when all is most right with the world, the most unthinkable disasters descend upon us. Right? The bumpuses. I actually I had... I, joked with Kathy about having Wilma uh, come blasting in their hound dog. But I thought, you know, it's, I know Wilma wouldn't come blasting through and she'd just end up licking everyone and it would be, it would be a minor disaster, not a major disaster like I was hoping for. But I loved how my dad rescued the moment, right? Christmas could have been ruined. It could have just been, let's forget it. Let's just all go back to bed. But my dad was like, that's it. Go upstairs, get dressed. We're going out to eat. That's a good dad. He's a dad that rose to the occasion. And if you're a dad, if you're a parent, we're constantly being called to rise to the occasion. And, you know, be honest, how good are we at that? We're not. We're not always great at rising to the occasion uh, because 
you know, we get mad and we want to kick the dog. Um, you can't do that. Uh, a, a professor of psychology said this once. He said, uh, most of the suffering in life comes not from the disaster itself, but in how we respond to it. You know, when we think about what God has done for us, we have God's word, and it tells us things like this in 1 Thessalonians 5.16, Rejoice always. Give thanks in all things. And then uh, Psalm chapter 139, uh, verse 5, it says that, uh, I look behind me and you're there. Then up ahead and you're there. To your reassuring presence, uh, coming and going. That God holds all of us together in his hands. That he's working things out. Romans 8.28 says that he works all things together for good for us. That's why we can be so sure that every detail in our lives uh, of love for God is worked into something good. God has a plan for our lives. I love that when, when they recorded that story of our family's misadventure at Christmas, that the directors didn't tell the, the people playing our family uh, that the Chinese restaurant workers were going to do all of that. Uh, so that when they captured it on film, my mom's reaction uh, to the singing and to the duck was a completely genuine response. Uh, she had no idea that was going to happen, um, which is pretty hysterical. When we think about Christmas, let's remember what's really important. The perfect gift is not what we give to each other or even what we give to God. The perfect gift is the one that God gave to us. The gift of his son, Jesus, that first Christmas. That gift is better than a major reward. That gift is better than a Red Rider BB gun. If, if I could do this, can we do this real quick before we, before we go for the day? Can I have all the kids come down here on the carpet? I got one last story I want to tell you. Come on, guys. Come on, Tobe. Anybody else? Come on. There we go. Come on, Jason. You want to come sit on my lap? Okay, I'll hold this. So, when I got my BB gun for Christmas, it was the greatest thing ever. And it was so much fun. Well, it's not the greatest thing, but at that point in my life, I was so excited about my BB gun. And I went outside and I imagined that I was hunting Black Bart, who was the most vile cowboy villain you could imagine. He had a gang of bad guys. And, and that was just my daydream. But you know what? There's a real story about some villains that lived in a place called Roaring Camp. Have you ever heard of Roaring Camp? No? It was a mining town in the 1800s, and there were real bad guys there. They actually called it Roaring Camp because there was so much noise because they were getting in fights, and they were yelling at each other, and they were breaking things. It was a bad, bad place. And then one night, it was quiet, and and everyone started to drift to this one tent 
And inside that tent was a woman, the only woman who lived in Roaring Camp. And her name was Cherokee Sal. It's a true story. And Cherokee Sal was having a baby. Now, what was sad is that Cherokee Sal died that night giving birth to the little boy. And so that that was pretty sad. So you have this camp full of really, really bad guys who break things and yell at each other and get into fights. And now they're the only ones left to take care of this little boy. And you know what they named him? It's kind of funny. Well, it's kind of sad. They named him Lucky. Right? But here's an interesting thing that happened. His name is Lucky. Can you say Lucky? Lucky. Good job. An amazing thing happened after Lucky was born. Because as Lucky was a baby and growing up, they stopped fighting. Because they didn't want to set a bad example for Lucky. And they stopped breaking things and they stopped getting into fights. And pretty soon, Roaring Camp wasn't roaring anymore. Isn't that a cool story? Here's the thing. There was another baby that was born that helped people change the way they lived their lives. And that baby was Jesus. Yeah. You knew it. You're so smart, Landon. Nice job. So this Christmas, let's not get all wrapped up in, am I going to get the present that I want? And remember, the reason that we celebrate Christmas was because Jesus came so that we could have a relationship with God. Who came at Christmas? Yes, he did. All right. Can we pray? Let's pray. Jesus, we thank you that you came, that you loved us so much, that you loved the whole world so much, that you came so that we could have a relationship with God. We pray your blessing over each of these kids. Pray that your blessing would rest on us this Christmas, that we would remember The true meaning of Christmas is not a present that we unwrap, but it's the gift of salvation through your son, Jesus Christ. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, amen. 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 Awesome. Open the hockey-shaped thing, the, 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 the paddle. I think it's a paddle. Toby, can you open this? Toby, it's a gift for you. It's like I totally didn't have this five years ago. Right. Oh, my goodness. What did you get for Christmas, Toby? A Red Ryder BB gun. A Red Ryder BB gun with a compass. It doesn't have a compass in the stock or a thing that tells time. It's Toby's for Christmas. Yeah, it's not as cool as mine. No, you'll shoot your eye out, kid. Awesome. Thank you so much for coming this morning. Merry Christmas. Uh, put that somewhere safe. Um, if you guys wouldn't mind, um, probably Kathy, do you think we need to turn the lights on to get a group photo of everybody? Awesome. Uh, you know what? I'll hold it. I'm going to put the microphone down. Merry Christmas, everybody.